And I think we're recording. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Welcome to season 3.5 of the Lindsay Morgan Snyder podcast. We are here today with Seth David Mitchell 2.0. <laughs> I have a lot of numbers going on right now. And this is the first time that we're doing this on video and on audio. What do you think, Sethi? It's like podcast 2.0 because it's, you know, like it's double, it's a podcast, you know, 4D. (laughs) (laughs) We have a lot of numbers going on. So you guys, before we jumped on, we were discussing this whole new Zoom thing. Okay. So I know not all of you are watching us, um, you know, on YouTube, but there's this new thing on Zoom where you can like touch up your, your facial expressions, or I mean your looks, and I have no wrinkles right now. It's like amazing. What do you think of this, Seth? I mean, it's kind of, it's been this crazy thing because as an actor, like when you're taking workshops or you're jumping into auditions, like the, you're on Zoom all the time. And so there's always this weird thing of like, do I put this touch up on my appearance so that I look younger and I look smoother and, you know, all those things, or do I want to have emotions? And <laughs> And it's just this strange, like you're always trying to figure out. And like, and there's actually a bar on Zoom where you can like do like a lot of filter or you can do a little bit of filter. So then you're trying to find the right level of filter. And, you know, I mean, my job as an actor is to be a real person, but I'm also trying not to be a real person at the same time. So. (laughs) Isn't that funny? I know. I just left mine on like the, the recommended amount of a wrinkle remover. Yes. I, I took mine, I took mine off. Although it feels like it's still on, uh, but um, yeah, I mean, I feel like I was like maybe I should be a real person if I'm appearing as myself. But uh, <laughs> <Wait>. <laughs> no, I'll lose but a lot. Of- real- of- Go ahead. Oh no, that's all. I kind of like the wrinkle remover, if I'm honest. But I, I'm, I don't. But I'm afraid when I look in the mirror, I'm going to be like, "Who is that person?" You know. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's, like, you see yourself, like, I watch myself on screen all the time because I'm on Zoom, and then, like, I look in the mirror, and I'm like, that is, that's not the same person. Like, even, yeah, and, it, yeah, it gets in your head a little bit. I know. It feels like it could be funky. Um, okay, so, speaking of all this fun stuff, I wanted to ask you about improv. Okay. Okay, you know I kind of want to take some improv classes, just to, you know. What I mean, everyone should take improv. Really? Um, well, yeah, because I feel like it's um, it's an exercise and an art form that really is about silencing your shame and silencing the critic. Like you can't, like you can't do improv well if you're listening to your your like your intellectual mind that's telling you you're doing things wrong. Um, I have one improv teacher who now I'm forgetting what he calls him, but he has like. It's like he said, like his little Ricardo on his shoulder or something like that, like where he has just this like French guy on his shoulder who's smoking a cigarette and kind of like, Stephen, you're an idiot. That's awful. This is, you're, they're, you're terrible. And so he always has to tell Ricardo, like, shut up, like you can't be here. And so like I, like, I just find improv to be such a helpful tool for those of us who filter ourselves too much, um, speaking of filters. Um, like it's just a, it's a tool to get to your yourself and just express without, without, beating yourself up on a constant basis. Wow, it does sound like a book I, I've read before. <laughs> <Just kidding. 
Wow. I love that. No, that sounds so cool. And that's one thing I wanted to talk to you about today was like the, um, your process of improv and how that like kind of led to like inner healing. Like a lot of times in like the Jesus world, you know, we talk about inner healing and it has to be this like intense thing where we're like sitting in this room, like crying, going back to our past, like reliving all this stuff with Jesus, which I think that stuff is great. And I've been healed by that a lot, but I do think there's more interesting and fun ways that God wants to heal us. And I know just like your story of improv and how God's done a lot of healing in you. I'd love to hear more about that. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, well, so I, I mean, I've been an actor on and off for a long time, but I kind of avoided improv for a long time as well. And then in 2016, I, I went through just, it was a really rough year, just, um, just on a personal level, had a lot of broken, relationships that just kind of were really devastating to my heart and, and, you know, was dealing with a lot of depression as well as the grief and kind of just felt really lost. Didn't know who I was anymore. Didn't, you know, I was talking, I mean, I didn't lose my faith at all, but I, but it was just kind of like one of those, like, why God, like what, what is, you know, one of those Job moments. And, um, and I had a friend who just said, Seth, like, you need to go find something that's just fun. That's not like career oriented. It's not, it's not, it's not for anything other than just enjoyment. And, for some reason, improv had been, my, as much as I had avoided it for years, like I, it just was in my brain, that that's something I should do. And so I found um, this great place called the Impro, Impro, uh, Impro Theater or Impro Studio in, in Los Feliz in, in LA. And I <clears throat> remember going to my first class and, uh, and just playing for, you know, I mean, it was like two hours, three hours, and just like going to recess. And I remember like walking out and just feeling like, I breathed air for the first time in in years, not just in that grief grief um, side, but like, but I think creatively had discovered a side of myself that I didn't know existed as well. But like, it was just it was the first time in a long time that I was able to breathe, and it was the beginning of this this journey of you know, like I've said, like there's a lot of self critique that you kind of have to drop, um, which I think at that time with with the depression I was going through, there was a lot. You know, I was beating myself up for like you've got to get you've got to get it together. Like things suck, but like you know, have the faith, have the right belief. God's, God's victorious. So you're fine. Don't have feelings. Um, you know, I'm beating myself in that, that way, but I think improv helps silence or, or quiet that voice maybe is a better way of putting it. But I think it was also, it became this, um, you know, I mean, I think a lot of people think of improv as like comedy. Um, but at impro kind of their methodology is a little bit more of an actor's improv. So we spend more time, actually like even doing scenes that become dramatic, um, like that are that are more serious in tone. Um, and the goal isn't to really be, the, the, the goal is for the humor to come out of the realness as opposed to just trying to be funny. Um, and as a result, a lot of the exercises enabled me to start expressing feelings that, you know, I was going to therapy and I, I had friends that I was talking to, but I, there's a point where you can't intellectualize and talk about the pain and the wounds and the and things that have occurred so much anymore and suddenly I'm in, I'm in scenes and I'm expressing emotions on a deeper level than I actually am in my personal life and, and experiencing them. And like, I feel like it was God's way of like actually enable me. It's almost like speaking in tongues. Like sometimes we just don't have the words. I feel like for me, uh, improv was, was emoting in tongues. Um, if that's, if that's, I don't know, hopefully that's not heretical, but, um, but like a really kind of, you know, just letting things out of the depths of my soul that I, I didn't know how to do otherwise. Um, so yeah. I love that. That's so amazing. That's so fun. I mean, 
I just think that being able to like experience God's healing with creativity or experiencing God's healing through something that's like a little more playful or fun is really powerful. You know, that's like, sorry, go ahead. No, you go ahead. I I noticed that when I talk over you, so you guys, this is our first time on zoom, but I, I find that when I talk over you, like I can't hear you. So. No, that's the hard thing about Zoom. And one that's also like, you know, we're such good friends. I feel like we interrupt each other all the time naturally. And so it's fighting that instinct. But um, but uh, yeah, like what you were saying about the fun, like I think that was the interesting thing about that journey with improv was understanding that like God made us to be very complicated beings, like that we can actually experience intense joy and intense grief at the same time. Like not just like in the same day, but literally at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that, like, I think sometimes when we're in a, a difficult period, we think, like, well, like, wait, why am I smiling now right now? Why am I laughing? Shouldn't I be processing the grief? Or, like, if you're in a joyful moment, like, sometimes there's a little bit of sorrow that pops out, pops in. And yet, like, those, like, you know, we're supposed to be having layered emotions all the time. That's how God created us. So it was kind of a really beautiful lesson in that as well. Yeah, and that's great. I mean, it just reminds me of that complicated verse in scripture in James 1, where it talks about like, there's joy in our suffering. You know, we're all like, yeah, I don't really get that one. But I mean, when, as you're talking, I'm like thinking of that, you know, I'm like, wow, like, that's really interesting, you know? And sometimes I think if we're going through a grieving period and we do experience joy, we almost experience guilt. Yeah, yeah, no, I think, um, Wait, say that, say that again. I'm agreeing with it, but my mind did not. Yeah, no, fully comprehend. No, I was just saying that like, you know, I think sometimes we're in a grieving period and we feel like moments of joy for whatever reason, we can then experience guilt. Like, oh, I shouldn't be joyful in this grieving time, which actually the Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. So mm-hmm. the fact that he may bring a joyful moment or whatever it is, in the midst of some grieving, like is him infusing his strength in us, you know? And it just sounds like what you were talking about, like that was kind of all these things. Like, I don't know, I've never done improv. I've seen you do improv, which was so fun. And like, honestly, kind of like, wait, what's happening? At first I didn't really understand if I'm honest, like what was going on? (laughs) Cause I'm so used to going to like a play. So I'm like at this like play, but like there was something different. it took me a minute, but I yeah, no, it is. I mean, because it's, I think it's the same on the inside of it too. Like, there's sometimes that you're in the middle, like, you know, just for the audience's sake, like, the type of improv I was doing was like, it's long form. And so we do our hour and a half long plays. And so instead of doing kind of the SNL sketch version of in- improv that I think most people are more, more familiar with, like we're, we're, we're literally having to make up a play on the spot with each other. And, and, you know, sometimes you're in the middle of it and like, what, what is going on? Um, but I think just like to your point about the joy of the Lord, I think, you know, in the same way, um, you know, the, the guy, I always forget his name, but the, the main character, the real person from Chariots of Fire, where he says, like, when I run, I feel, I feel the pleasure of the Lord. And I, and I think for me, improv was one of those places. It just is, it is one of those places that I just feel God's pleasure. Cause I'm so, I'm so, I feel so where I'm, where my purpose is in, in creativity and in storytelling in collaborating with other artists on the stage and in laughing along with the audience when things aren't going well, like all of that. Um, 
And I think in the same way, like you were saying, the joy and the suffering, like what was complicated for me as I was beginning to embrace this new craft was like, you know, I won't go into to full detail, but like, I, you know, I had had these broken relationships with people that I walked with for, for decades in some cases. And, um, and it was this weird thing where I was, felt like I was finding myself and actually more myself without them and not being able to celebrate some of those wins with them. And so it was this really strange dichotomy of like, man, I'm, I'm so happy that, because the, the separation itself, I think somewhat enabled me to, to pursue those things. And so there was this strange guilt of feeling like, am I being selfish because they're not coming along with me on this journey? And yet I know that I feel like I'm in God's, God's pleasure in a way that I've never experienced in my life. And like, and, and, you know, we're supposed to sell everything and, and buy that, that plot of land and, and bury our treasure in that, like, you know, we're supposed to give everything up for the Lord. And yet, you know, sometimes that that's obviously much, much um, harder said than done. Yeah. Or easier said than done. Right. Yes. Yes. I was even thinking about saying that correctly or not correctly. <laughs> I thought too hard and said it incorrectly, but yes. Don't worry, Seth. I gotcha. I gotcha. No, it is. Well, a lot of Bible scripture scriptures are easier said than done. You know, like, I mean, all of them, you know, it's like, yeah, they're all easier said than done. But I mean, I just think that's so exciting that like, I'd never even heard of improv. Really, I hadn't. I mean, I've watched Saturday Night Live, of course, but I never really understood. But after watching you and just knowing you and being friends with you, it makes sense that it would like, because you're very organized, like smart, intellectual person. And so for you to have to kind of like lay that down and like, that would be like really a hard exercise and even like letting go of control. Like, didn't you tell me that one time? Like it was this good exercise of letting go of control. And I mean, control is a, you know, that's a hard one for all of us, you know, as humans, but it is something God wants us to like, you know, self-control is a fruit of the spirit, but controlling circumstances or those around us is not a fruit of the spirit. So can you tell us a little more about like that? Yeah. I mean, improv itself, obviously, like you're, A, you're working with, A, you don't know what's going to happen before you get on stage, B, you're working with collaborators so that you might come in with an instinct about what's gonna happen in the next scene, but if they say something different or set you in a different place or name you as a different character than you're anticipating to come in, like suddenly all the ideas that you had are gone and yet and yet not, because you can kind of adapt them and bring them in is when you, when you like learn to actually kind of yes and it and not get upset when, when someone changes your trajectory. Um, so there's a lot of that going on and, and that was really difficult for me because there was there was a point in, you know, the, the theater I was at, there was kind of like a program to go through um, where you kind of went through their core program that they, they had four, four different classes, about a year long, and then you auditioned to get into their conservatory. And, um, the, and, and it's generally pretty hard to get into the conservatory. Um, and you don't tend to get in on the first time, but I, the first time you audition, but I, I felt like I had the general ability to, but I remember auditioning the first time that I, I was asked to do something very specific in a, in a scene that I was improvising and I was trying to control the whole thing. Like they literally were like, can you just tell someone that you love them by the end of the scene? And I was, I was trying to control the whole thing so that I felt like the right moment was going to come that I could say, I love you. And literally the, 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 the teachers who are, who are watching this audition, like halfway through the scene are like, Seth, can you just say, I love you to someone? Like, that's all you like, just say, I love you. And I could like, because I was in such a control mentality, 
I wouldn't let myself do it because I was like, the story hasn't, the story isn't there yet. I haven't gotten the story there yet. And, and so I was tight and I was controlling and I wasn't giving to my partners. And, and I knew like, and I, and it was a moderately okay scene, but I knew when I finished it that like, I had kind of, that I was on the line of getting into conservatory and that that was kind of the tiebreaker. And I didn't say, I love you because I wanted to control the whole thing. And, um, and I didn't, I didn't get into conservatory that round. And I, realized I think I think God had kind of had like a little conversation with me after that because I was disappointed and I was feeling sorry for myself all the things that actors feel when we don't get what we want and um or humans you know, we're, yeah we're yeah oh yeah or all people um <laughs> <laughs> I don't think um, deserve for actors but no I know what you mean <laughs> like you know the next audition was in six months and I knew that my choice was to either sit around and feel sorry for myself and hold on to this control or I needed to go to class and fall on my face every week, every every scene, and just go in with no plan and not know what was going to happen, and learn and just really learn to let go of control. And you know, and God was so gracious in teaching me that. Like that next six months was was hard. It was hard and it was humbling. And um, you know, because you know, I found myself naked. You know. Uh, creatively naked on stage, I should say. Um, be like, Seth, what? What are you not telling us? <laughs> <laughs> creatively naked on, on stage. But like, it was such a, it was, I, you know, I became a completely different improviser and actor and, and person from that because like experiencing failure and actually not viewing it as failure, but rather as a part of the process um, was, you know, I'm, I'm still very much learning that lesson. I still do not like to fail. I'm still a recovering perfectionist, um, as people probably can notice in even the way I correct myself during this podcast. But, um, <laughs> but you know, it's, it's, it's beautiful to learn, like, failure is part of process. And failure is not really failure. It's not something that's scary. Um, and God's, God's in it as well. Like, he's always bringing his glory out of, out of everything. So, so fail away. Fail away, fail forward. Yes, that's so good. That song, like, sail away, sail away. They should make it like a fail away version of that. I love that song. Sadie, could you sing it for us? <laughs> and that's all I know. So. <laughs> oh, I love that song. I'm definitely going to turn it on after this podcast. That's so good. That's so cool. I love that. So, okay. So, Seth, like, you've had this long journey. And you've done a lot of cool things, but but I know some things are starting to open up for you. And so can you share a little bit about like your, just like acting, like, cause you've moved to Texas and you were in Texas the last time we talked. Um, but even since the last time we talked, Seth David Mitchell 1.0, you like just some things have started to happen for you. And it's like exciting and yet kind of like causing some internal turmoil so would you share with us always growing with the lord um yeah so i guess towards the end of the year you know I, i'd moved to austin and i was kind of like lord like what am i going to do as an actor like what exists like there's theater out here but like is the hollywood's not really here and like what does a career look like and did i did i just like kind of shoot myself in the foot um and yet I knew that I was supposed to be here. And so towards the end of the year, he, um, the Lord, uh, it's also been interesting. I've not been, I've, I'm saying the Lord is like, a, uh, that's, a, um, that's a rabbit hole. I'm not going to go down there. Um, but love uh, rabbit trails. So you feel free. You just go where you go. <laughs> I'm just 
realizing that I have not, I have not been in this weird COVID new, new environment that I'm in. I haven't been around a lot of Christians. And so saying the Lord is like, it was, I was like, Oh, like I can say like, cause I, I actually got corrected by a non-Christian the other day. I'm like, can you please not say that? Because it's a little bit triggering. And, uh, and so like, I just had like one of those moments of like, Oh, I'm with, I'm with people who understand my language and it's nice. It's nice to, to be, be with you. Um, but, uh, you know, yeah, the Lord kind of, he had introduced me to an acting teacher out here and I, I had not really wanted to jump back into an acting class. I was kind of like, I'm done. Like, I'm just, I can't do, like, I need to learn and I need to grow, but I want to learn and grow by doing, not by being in a classroom. And, um, and this teacher had been recommended to me. And so I reluctantly look her up and it turns out that she worked with my favorite acting coach in LA for years and that he actually comes in and I mean, in COVID is zooms in, um, for some classes and and it was just like and and her studio has vocal training like a guy who works with broadway talent broadway level talent on their on their singing voices and there's an actual there's an improv section there with with a woman who also does long form improv and and like and so it's like all these things of like all right lord like i'll i'll go to this acting class because obviously something's been set up here and and i meet with um her name's carol hickey if anyone's in the texas area she's she's great you should look her up um so i meet with her and she's like have you gotten an agent while you're out here like things are like really like you know at this point la you know film production and commercial production had been was shut down i think for the second time and so a lot of that production's come out here actually. And um, she's like, you need to, like, she's like, I'm auditioning like two or three times a week. Like you need to, you need to find an agent. And, and I, again, I was like, I just, uh, it's a regional market. It's not LA. It's not, it's not what I want it to be. And all the, all the things, you know, that we humans like to complain about. And, um, and, uh, but I was, but I feel the Lord being like, nope, just put yourself out there and submit to like, there's, you know, about six of six relatively, big agencies here in the Texas area. And so I submitted and, you know, unlike LA, like people respond very quickly and they were really nice. And like I had, you know, and the, the people that I signed with, Pastor E. Bosby um, out of Houston, Texas. Um, Mitzi is, is the name of my agent. I think, I hope I can say all this publicly. I think I can, you can look it up. So it's, it's public info. Um, but like, you know, she was just like so delightful to talk to. And in my first meeting with her, like I'm expecting for most of our conversation to be about commercial stuff and that there's not really a lot of room for film TV. And so I mentioned like, you know, like, so how is the commercial realm working? And she like automatically is like, oh, like you would want to do commercial as well. Cause like, you know, there's also a lot of theatrical and that kind of would be our main focus. And I'm like, that's, that's what I want. Like, that's what I want to be like. I love commercials. Commercials can be fun, but like theatricals where, you know, you, you feel like you can actually dig in as an actor. And, and so it was just like all these places, like the Lord was just like, I have exactly what you've been looking for in LA here in Austin. Like, and so now I'm, now I'm signed with this agency. I've been, you know, I got a call back for a national commercial the other week. I have been getting bigger TV film auditions than I've ever had in my life. And, um, and it's just, and, it, and I'm learning and growing from doing that. Cause uh, it's also like, I mean, the Lord is always challenging my, like, I've, you know, again, in my perfectionist attitude, I can be a little bit of a pessimist. Um, and so like, you know, when you get a commercial audition, you know, with all the self-taping that we have to do out here, you're almost being asked to like film the commercial and um, like, rather than just like put, doing a slate and read a line, like um, you, you kind of like, 
well, you saw the one that I sent to you that was kind of funny. Like I had to do this one thing where they asked, so like, if you have kids that you can play with in this thing, like, you know, could you bring your, your children into it? I don't have children. And so like my first attitude is like, well, Lord, I can't do this. I just shouldn't accept the, the, the audition because like I don't have kids and like obviously they're not going to hire me. And, and then like the Lord's like, Seth, you're an improviser. Why don't you just pretend to be the kids as well as the, the, the role that you're filming? And so I ended up doing like this fun little like, sketch where I played a little boy and a little girl and their father and I got the call back and um and it was and more than even just like the result of getting a call back or like knowing that casting liked what I sent in like I had fun mm-hmm. and I realized like oh like maybe I overthink these things and if I just do I might I might enjoy them so so a lot of that kind of stuff has been been happening um on the on the acting side I love that. Fun, fun. That's something I feel like the Lord showed me, what, a year and a half ago now? He was like, what if finding freedom in our lives could be fun? Like, what if we took, like, two things that are kind of diametrically, is that the right word, Seth, opposed um, or something like that, you know, and what if they were, what if they could be one? What if finding freedom didn't have to look like always? I mean, sometimes I think it is intense and I'm not going to say it's never going to be intense, but, but I think for me, I was like, it's going to be this really hard, you know, like intense thing forever. And it kind of was for me. Um, but I, but I do have very fun personality, but it was all like oppressed by this, like, you know, pain and all these things. And it was like, I had to, you know, get through all that or whatever. But then I just felt like the Lord is like, what if finding freedom could be fun? And I'm like, that sounds fun, Lord, you know? And so I love, I love what you're, I love what you're saying about the improv and just like having fun in the process, right? Because the process of life can be like, not fun all the time, even though I'm a seven and I kind of wish it was, but when I try my best to make it all fun, but like, I just think that's powerful to, to think like, oh, the, the process can be the fun part, even if you don't get the, this, that, or the other, you know? Cause I think a lot of us think when we get this, that, or the other, then we'll be happy. Yeah. When we get this, that, or the other, then, then we'll be at peace then we'll be okay. Then we'll be satisfied. But for me, the, this, that, and the other would come true. And I would still have that emotional issue. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, and I, and I think like what you're saying too, is like, I mean, I mean, it seems so obvious, even though it's like, it feels also some days impossible to live in that. But like, I mean, if we enjoy the process if we're actually having fun in the process, then of course, like, why would it matter as much if we get the thing at the end of it? Because we've had all this fun along the way. And like, so like you've had this adventure. So why, why, like, oh, it didn't, we ended up somewhere else, but like how much fun did we have with the Lord on, on that, on that adventure? And, and that is the gift that's, you know, that, and, and the goal should be in the end. I mean, again, easier said than done and not quite where I am. Like I'm maybe speaking to my own heart, but like, you know, the, the gift and the joy of, of life is living it with the Lord is, is continually like whatever the process is when, when things are seemingly coming together and when things are seemingly falling apart, like getting to do it with him is that's, that's, that's the joy of our life. Yeah, I know. It's so good, Seth. I love that. That's so powerful. It's so powerful. It just is like, I mean, so many things are popping in my brain. I just remember like, this is a little bit of a a trail, but 
but I just, for some reason, remember like a really tough thing that happened to me like nine months ago when everything was stolen out of my storage unit. And so sad and really freaking ticked at God. Okay. Can we just be real for a minute? Like I was like, you have got to be kidding me. You know what I mean? Like, Lord, like we have been through some things, but now everything I own is gone. Like I was not happy. And you know, I just remember sitting there and like, this sounds really weird and I can't believe I'm even saying it, but we love to be vulnerable here on this podcast. Um, but I just remember, and you actually came and were such a sweet savior to me in that moment, but like, or hero, maybe I shouldn't call you my savior, but like, um, but I was sitting there in the midst of all my junk or not junk, but like just the trash, it was left in there. And, and I was just sitting there and I was so sad, but like, I did. I felt God so close to me and I was mad at him, but he still was close to me, you know, which is interesting. And it says he's close to the brokenhearted, but like, I was mad at him. You know, my heart wasn't just broken. I was ticked at God. And, um, but he was still so close to me. And I just remember being such a precious moment that I like set up my camera and like took a picture of it. Like I took a picture of myself with all my junk, with all this trash around me because the moment felt so like precious to me, you know, and I was still ticked at God for a few months after. So it didn't resolve the tickness. (laughs) Is that a word? It didn't resolve my anger with God, but it still was this like precious moment in the midst of like a huge loss after there had already been kind of a hard hard five years and then this I was like "Ah." um and you were so sweet to come and like be like yeah now let me help this girl but I mean I don't know like do you have any um yeah do you have any thoughts on just like where he's so close to you I know before we were kind of talking about this but where he's so close to you yet like I don't know there's just this moment of like not even disconnect but just like I don't know. It's just like everything isn't lining up in your mind or your heart. Yeah. I mean, like, I think, I mean, it's interesting what you say about like the Lord being close to the brokenhearted. And I, cause you know, like we, we were talking earlier before, before we did this podcast, um, like that I am in this, like as much as everything's coming together, like, I, you know, I mean, it feels strange to say this after you're sharing the story about having like, you know, some really precious things taken from you. And I'm like, my life's coming together and I'm furious with the Lord. Um, and like, I mean, we were talking earlier about like the dichotomy that sometimes you feel grief or you feel anger or whatever in a time that like should be, should be quote quote unquote should be. Um, and for those who are only listening, we're quoting should be, uh, air quoting, we're air quoting, air quoting should be joyful. And I have found that in this season of my life, I feel, I feel maybe this is the way to put it. I feel the closeness of the Lord more than I ever have. And yet I feel the most resistant to talking to him, to praying, to, you know, I'm, I'm going to church out here, but I generally walk out about halfway through and I, and I don't even fully understand like what's going on in my heart, but I'm just, I'm furious with him. And, uh, and it's been this weird thing because I can sense him like, you know, right now, like he's just, he's right here and he's just so happy about where I am and what I'm doing. And he's so excited about what's coming. And he's not worried about the fact that like, I mean, I think, cause he knows like my anger is actually like you're saying, it's I'm brokenhearted about some things. And 
I'm not even sure what those things are um, completely, but like, he's not scared of those things. Like he, he's, he appreciates and knows process. And I think, I do think on some level, what I do know is that the anger that is coming up, like I, I feel like he's like, yeah, no, that's, that's been there for a long time, Seth. And actually you're being more honest than you have been in a long time. And so actually that, so that's why I'm happy. It's not that, it's not that he's happy that, you know, sometimes I, you know, I might fall back into old sin patterns or, or things that, that, that damage me or damage our relationship. But like, so he's not happy about that, but he is happy that I'm more honest with him about what I'm feeling. And, and he's actually closer to me as a result, even though I'm like, go away, leave me alone. Give me, give me the good things, but please don't talk to me about them. Yeah. No, that's so true. Well, you know, even Seth, when we were talking about this before we jumped on the podcast, that's kind of what I had a little sense of. I'm like, oh, it's not that that stuff was never like, I mean, and I'll just speak to my, my own situation, but like for me, yeah, I went through this time, like six, seven months after my stuff was stolen, where I literally hadn't cussed as much as I did in this like two month period for the past 10 years, you know, like I don't really cuss. I hadn't cussed in like 10 years. And, but over these two months, like my mouth was not pretty, you know, and you heard some of that, but like, and I was so scared that I was like, you know, like, oh my gosh, God, what's wrong with me? Am I losing my mind? Am I going crazy? And I talk to a lot of people that are really strong Christians and love God so much. And a lot of times they are like, am I going crazy? Like they literally wonder that. And I'm like, oh, I also wondered that. And, and the Lord just said to me, I'm not scared of your process lens. And he's like, there's nothing wrong with you. There's just things that were in you that are now coming out unfiltered. And it scares you because you've kept them all tidy in there. But I actually already knew they were in there because I live inside of you. So I knew it was all in there and I wanted it to come up and out. And I know it's a little (laughs) unbecoming, but it's, it's important. And honestly, after that season, after it all came out, I didn't really like behavior modify. It just stopped. I mean, I don't even know exactly why or how, but it was like those two months of intense, whatever that was, I don't even know. I don't know how to explain it or what it was. And I don't care to really, I don't feel like the Lord is saying like, let's go back and dissect that. You know, he's just like, no big deal. It was there. But then I experienced this freedom and this like joy and I had some healing to do, but it was such a shift. And So I'm all about process. God is all about process. I mean, if he wasn't, why would he have pregnant women like wait nine months to have a baby? You know, like God's all about process and he's not scared of our process. He's not, he's just, he's not worried about it, you know? And Melissa Johnson, who you and I both know, she was on the podcast a while back and she talked about her angsty, what she called like an angsty teenage phase with God. Amazing. Where she was like, it's like when you're a teenager and like, you kind of hate your parents, but you love them. You know what I mean? And you're like, I hate you, but I'm still going to like sit at the dinner table with you. Cause you make me, <laughs> she talked about how like she would go to church and she didn't want to be there. And she was mad at God, but she'd sit there, you know? And, and I do think God kind of like snickers at us, you know, he's like, Oh, he's like, look at them. Like they love me. They're just in, a, they're just in their angsty, is that what yeah. she's angsty teenage phase. So yeah, it's real. It's real yeah. life. 
Yeah, no, because I, I feel like it's like, you know, the, those those dads who like take their kids to school when they're like in high school and like the kid hates them and they like yell out the window, I love you. You're the most amazing child I've ever seen. And, like, and I feel like that's exactly what God is doing right now. And it's it's so strange to understand it, but also like not like know that I, I also I just have to go through that process. Like I have to go through whatever this angsty teenage adolescent rebellion, but not rebellion that's going on and and just and trust that like it's okay that I'm pissed at him for loving me and that that like you're saying like at some point I mean because it's been the interesting thing has been like he doesn't he won't he won't really I you know like I think you know me well enough like I I talk to God all the time like from a little, like a little kid like I just have long drawn out conversations and we talk back and forth and and um and and this has been a season where he has just been like, no, we're not gonna, we're not gonna talk about your feelings today. Like I'm, like I need you to go learn this song. I need you to work on that audition. I need you to do these things. And like, and it's not, and it's not in a, there's no like I'm over talking with you or like a dismissiveness. It's just a that's not like that's not gonna help you. Um, processing verbally is not is not the season that you're in. You need to actually go and like receive what I'm giving you. And you're not going to receive it well, but you're going to receive it regardless because it's coming. And um, and and trust, like I mean, it's it's helpful to hear what you said, like that at some point, like there's just a shift. And like, and I do feel that shift some days. Like some days, like I get through, and I'm like, oh, like I'm walking in a freedom and an identity that I've never known. And it doesn't matter that there's some heart surgery going on while I'm doing it. Like, like I'm actually, I am doing well strangely and you know it's it's kind of like the which which novel is that it's the best of times it's the worst of times and that um um a tale of two cities um but you know and i mean that's what it kind of feels like a little bit jacqueline hyde but i just it's interesting to be in another season um like like i said with improv like improv was this place where i could speak my emotions in a way that like felt like it was kind of in tongues and i feel like it's the same with this where the lord's like i'm not he's like you're not going to learn from me by having this conversation you're going to learn from me by doing and um and it's really frustrating <laughs> to someone who likes to analyze but but um but part of me some part of me trusts him enough to to walk that path with him yeah well, and it feels like an upgrade to me, you know, and sometimes like the upgrades don't feel like upgrades at first. Like, um, I remember when God started speaking to me in my dreams, like night dreams. And I was so frustrated because I would wake up and there was like 75 scenes in my dream. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, why can't you just tell me directly what you want me to do? God, like, I, I don't have time to like analyze all these, 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 scenes in my dream and figure out what you're saying like can you just tell me directly I was so frustrated and I'd wake up with like anxiety and I would like try to get people to interpret my dreams and I'm like asking all my friends and finally one of my friends Emery she said Linz I think God is inviting you to learn to interpret your own dreams I think he he wants to show you another way he speaks to you not that he wants to take away the old way but he, he like upgrade you know he, he wants to like bring you into this new place. And it didn't feel great to me. It felt a lot easier to do what I knew how to do, which was like, just hear from him and do what he said, you know, but now all of a sudden it's this new like covert way, you know, and my dreams were never direct. Like my dreams were never like, and I had a dream that I went to the store and bought this or whatever. My dreams were all like, the word isn't mystical, but um, what's that word? 
Mm-hmm. What's the word, Seth? Like, um, whimsical or fancy or um, Holy Spirit. What's the word? Um, metaphorical. Metaphorical. Yes. Yes. That's yes. <laughs> that's what. I'm Come to it on your own. <laughs> Holy Spirit is smart. I ask him a lot, but they were all metaphorical. So they were all these like stories, you know, inside of my dream. And I'm like, someone just tell me, but, but now, you know, I was frustrated for a little while, but then that shifted. And, and then I kind of, now it's almost a game. Now it's almost fun. I wake up and I'm like, Ooh, I get to like talk to God about my dream, but there was that frustration. Then there was that kind of like, maybe even a little confusion, but then it came into like, Oh, this is actually fun, you know? So I believe that for you too, Seth. Thank you. I, I, I received that as well as I can. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> I do. I do receive that. Cause I think, I think there's definitive, I mean, there's just definitive truth in it. It's, it, it sometimes we, we don't need to understand the process and we need to trust it. Cause God, I mean, what God has for us is always good. Even yeah. if it's, if it's tough, like when he's stretching us, it's, it's worth it. And, um, and it will flip into that joy because, I mean, that's what he has for us. Yeah. So good. So good, Seth. This is so fun to have you on Seth 2.0, my first ever video podcast or whatever this is. We'll, we'll figure it out as we go along. But <laughs> so fun. Is there anything that we talked about that we didn't get to talk about? Anything I mean, to your heart? The only, the only thing that we didn't talk about is um, childhood crushes. But- <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. Let's do it. No. Th- well, okay. So let me set it up a little bit. So Seth and I've known each other for a little while, but God kind of reconnected us at one point. And the funniest part was, I don't remember exactly who said it first, but I think I had been watching Murder, She Wrote, like on Netflix or Prime or whatever. And I don't know why, but I was so into it. You know, it was just like, I was binging Murder, She Wrote and it was just speaking to me and I was loving it. And I felt a little strange because it wasn't what everyone was binging at the time. And I don't know, (laughs) I don't know what I happened to say to you. What? There were some people, but not, not quite that. It wasn't quite the the hit show of like, you know, No, exactly. It was like Lindsay and a few other randoms in the world. But um, I happened to say that to you and you got like really excited because you also. (laughs) Angela Lansbury is my first love. She is maybe perhaps the love of my life. Um, I, I mean, I think it's, it's a mix of, I mean, it's a, honestly, it's a mix of two things because it is Angela Lansbury, but it is also like, I love murder mysteries. Like I just love them. And I'm like a big Agatha, Agatha Christie guy. And uh, you can't get better than Agatha Christie. I mean, I like Sherlock Holmes. He's great. But like Agatha Christie is like the cozy, that's like cozy mur- murder mystery. Like that's what I love. And Angela Lansbury, I mean, I, I want to move to Cabot Cove. Like who, <laughs> Cabot Cove. I mean, you need to be careful in Cabot Cove. You might get killed. You might get murdered. It's a very dangerous town. But aside from the murder rate, it's I, I want to live there. And have a bicycle with a basket on it, because that's kind of my dream. Yes. And I like, and it was both one of the most disappointing and exciting moments of my life was I think it's I think it's at Universal. 
studios in LA is where they filmed. Like that's like, there's, there's a whole, like they still have the Cabot Cove like dock is out there cause they use it for all different types of films. And so that's where they filmed her on her, on her bike. Um, yeah. And so it's like, it's right there in LA still, still murder. She wrote is still alive. And, and, and Angela Lansbury is still alive. And I am, I am all about the revival. She needs another nephew. I am, I am available. I have an agent. I feel like this might be what Lord, the Lord is bringing together. <laughs> yes, that is so good. Yes. Oh, I mean, aren't you a producer? Yeah, I need to figure this out. I need to figure this out. <laughs> and it all began on the Lindsay Morgan Line of Podcast. First Zoom Lindsay Morgan uh, Snyder podcast. Yeah, well, we're still kind of sorting out how to talk to each other and not speak over each other. It's great. This is so great. Oh my gosh, I love that, Seth. I love our our mutual love for Murder Shiro and Cabot Cove. And I can't believe I've never been to any of the studios. I've never even been on a studio lot. Oh my gosh, no, you definitely need to. I mean, I don't know where where things are with the COVID rules, but like everyone should. I mean, being on a studio lot. But it's like, even if you're there to tour, I don't know. It's the most, it is weird like how God creates us. Like there are just certain places that you know you you have a love for and studios are one of those places. Like it's just a wonderful, magical place. Um, so everyone, every, because it's just the, the magic of movie making. It's amazing. Mm. I think, uh, yeah, I think that's the stuff definitely well into 2021 adventure list for Lynn. So that's so cool. Oh my gosh. I love that. This was so fun, Seth. I'm so excited. Thank you for coming on 2.0. Well, more than likely have a 3.0 with you, but thank you for sharing with us just your healing journey and your real and raw story. And uh, it's so powerful. We just love that. So thank you. Thank you for having me. It's always, it's always a delight. Yes, we have fun. <laughs> okay, cool. I will See you later. See you later, everyone. We can't wait to be back with you next week. I'm not sure if we will be on 3.5 again or if we will start season four, but it's always going to be fun. We always have precious, fun people on talking about real, raw stories um, in their life with entertainment and art and all the good things. So we'll see you then. Bye.